Hey, this is Matt Russell. Thank you for checking out Lighthouse 805's podcast as we conclude our series, The Advent of Love. We had, so we had a small series. It was all about Advent. And I know Christmas is over, but the year's not done yet. And so I want to continue our Christmas Advent series one more week, even though it's past Christmas. So let's just be in the Christmas mood for one more Sunday. We'll have the Christmas decorations up. We got the lanterns. We got the lights. We got all the different things. Uh, which brings me to an announcement. I'll say it again at the end. Next week, we're taking the decorations down, and we do need some help. Um, (laughs) But the advent of love is today's message. Advent of love. We've we've gone through three other different uh, items of advent, but this this week is love. This week is is the love of Christ, the love of Jesus, and it's, it's really dealing with turning over certain things in our life through the power of God, what he has to offer. It's the grace and the mercies that he brings in. And it's only doable because he loves us. If he was a God that didn't love us, I don't think he would want to deal with all the junk in our lives. You, you know what I mean? Like, no, nah, I don't want to say that. That's, that's too rude. Um, we'll skip that story. Have it another time. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 4. Uh, in, in preparing the different messages and the different sermons for the Advent series, the concept was when Jesus shows up as that attribute. So this is the week where he shows up as love. Um, and you may have heard this story uh, before. You may have heard the story when you were in preschool and kindergarten with little kids in the back in VBS. And, and we're going we're gonna to have the adult version today. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there. His name Zacchaeus, the head tax man and rich man. Um, maybe VeggieTales is in your mind right now. That's okay. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. Then Jesus got up. Jesus got to the tree. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. I love the authority that Jesus has, right? Like, just, I'm just going to invite myself over. I'm just showing up. I'm not going to bring any food either. I'm just going to be there. (laughs) Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incidents was indignant and grumbled. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? I love the message translation. Some people don't, but I just, I love the wordplay. Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically. Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the son of man came to find and restore the lost. I'm going to look at three, three different items of love today. And the first one, number one, is the love of Jesus. Reminding us one more time, Jesus said, Today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. Jesus finds and restores the lost through three invitations. There are three things that Jesus throws out. And, and it's like, do we want to accept it? Do we want to take that invitation? Like, have you ever gotten an invitation in the mail and you read it and you're like, why'd they send this to me? We know we don't like each other. 
Like, yeah, and they're like, that must be a mistake. You know, it's, it's, that's not the case with Jesus. He doesn't just mass produce invitations out. He says, no, I'm choosing you specifically, and here are my three invitations, right? First one is invitation to follow, A. That is interesting when Jesus walks up and he says, hurry down. Hurry down. Come, come here. I want you to follow me. Right? There, there is this invitation that Jesus is always throwing out to follow him. It's to, it's to come down. I think it's interesting. <clears throat> Just making sure I'm not jumping ahead in my notes. You know when you, 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 you study something and you get it in your heart and then you can just go all over the place and you don't want to, but you want to stay focused? Maybe just me, I don't know. Invitation to follow. Yeah, it was further in my notes. Invitation to follow. This is, this is the moment where he's up in the tree on his own. He used his own willpower to find Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I need you to move past your own willpower and come follow me in my power. Come follow. There, there's this invitation that Jesus throws out. Are we willing to follow after Jesus relentlessly? or follow after our own stuff, doing our own way, and just allowing God to follow us. See, there's this, there's this dichotomy that needs to change in our lives sometimes. Are we following after Jesus, or are we inviting Jesus to follow after us, because we're busy? Jesus, I got this going on. Here's my calendar. It's already maxed out. I can squeeze you in on Tuesday the 30th in the third month. And Jesus is like, mm, you want me to follow you? No. I want you to follow me, this invitation. And, and I think as believers, even before believers and even harder after we're believers, it can be hard to follow Jesus, right? We can get stuck in our own ways. We got the routines. We got all the things going on. We need to follow Jesus, right? Zacchaeus had his entire day planned out. He's up in the tree. He's chilling up there. He's doing all the different things. And Jesus says, I need you to come down and we're going to go do some stuff. Right? And it's this heart check moment. Invitation to follow. B, invitation into all of our life. It's one thing for Jesus to invite Zacchaeus down from the tree to talk to him. It's a whole other thing to say, hey, I'm going to show up at your house. Hope you clean today. <laughs> Those of you who laugh are like, I didn't clean my home today. <laughs> Have you ever had an, an unexpected guest at the home? Um, have you ever been the, the significant other who invites unexpected guests into the home and the other, other person isn't aware of it and then they talk to you afterwards saying, you need to tell me beforehand so I can clean the house? <laughs> I mean, it's not real life or anything. I'm just... <laughs> Jesus, Jesus wants to come into our house, into our house, into our lives, no matter how messy it is, no matter how dirty it is, no matter what. Right? One of the greatest misconceptions that we have is, oh, I'm going to have Jesus come into my life after I clean up this and I deal with this and I do with this and I do that. And just like, uh, what? I show up and I deal with all the things. That's Jesus' MO. He wants to be part of the cleaning process. He wants to be part of all of our lives, no matter how bad it is. He loves us so much. Right? Jesus doesn't want partial part of our lives. That's not how it works. And it's evident in the scripture when Jesus says, 
I want you to come down, be with me, and then let's go to your home. Who knows what's going on at this guy's house? He has all the money in the world to do anything. There's probably weird stuff going on. And Jesus is like, I want to go to your house. He's like, okay. You know? Invitation to all of our lives. And then C, invitation of eternal love. This is, this is one of the essential cornerstones of Christianity, right? We know that Jesus, if we accept him our hearts, we get eternal love forever. I think if you look at the timeline in our, in our eternal souls, the foreverness, right? We know that once we hit heaven on, we'll experience God's eternal love indefinitely forever. But it's a little rocky up to that point right? We have our ups and downs, and we have these things of like, oh, I don't know if Jesus loves me right now. I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And we have these roller coaster moments with God, right? But we need to understand, and one of the best ways to understand that Jesus loves us all the time, indefinitely, at maximum capacity, because he doesn't dip in his love, is to remember, oh yeah, heaven's eternal. This is temporary, but his love does not diminish in this temporary moment. It's at max all the time. We just have to accept that love into our lives and don't filter it through our own perspectives and our own lives and all these other things. We need to say, God loves me all the time, all the time. Number two, the love for yourself. The love for yourself. I think uh, one of the, the hard things about being a believer is, you know, the first step is really accepting Jesus and accepting God's full love in our lives, but then we have to work through our loving our own self, no matter what we've gone through and what we've done and seen frustrations and all that kind of stuff. Because the love for ourself can impact how we think the Father loves us. Because if you don't love yourself how you're supposed to be loving yourself, you will, you will throw that, is it personification? What is it? What's the right word? When you throw something? Project. project, thank you. You'll project your own love for yourself onto how God loves you. And if you don't love yourself, you're projecting that God doesn't love you. And, and it's a hard bridge to cross. Jesus comes in our lives, there are a few things we need to address or they will linger in our lives and cause us to make poor decisions. The first one, A, is care too much what others think. Care too much what others think. I'm just pulling these out of the scripture. Um, so when Zacchaeus walked up to the crowd, and he saw that he couldn't see over the crowd, what was the first thing he did? It's actually, I, I do a lot of trick questions, I'm sorry. Almost. He got to the crowd and thought, if I try to get to the front, people will hold me back, they'll boo me, they'll be mad at me, they'll be angry. And his overwhelming thought process of people, of what they think of him, kept him from going to the crowd. 
That was the first thing. And the second, he's like, I would rather sit in a tree by myself than have in the back than have anyone else see me and be angry. And it's interesting. Sometimes what our, our ability to say, oh, they think about this about me, they think this about me, and they think that, it will cause us to make stupid decisions. Zacchaeus was sitting in the dang tree because he cared what people thought about him. And with that, I've made stupid decisions too because of what people have thought about me or what I thought they would think about me, right? I don't even know what they think. I just thought they might think it about me, and I made a stupid decision. And then my wife is like, you made a dumb decision. I'm like, you are right. We need to deal with what people think about us by dealing with what we think about ourselves first. Be not good enough. Not good enough. Zacchaeus didn't think he was good enough to be part of the crowd. He didn't think he was good enough to be part of the community. He didn't think he was good enough to be join the people seeing Jesus. I, I would, man, I can't even imagine what giftings, what skills, what art pieces, what everything would be on this planet if people would deal with having, dealing with the, the realization that they think they're not good enough. Oh, I don't, I don't want to paint this because I'm not good enough. I don't want to go and attempt this because I'm not good enough. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we dealt with that right now? God, God didn't place those dreams and those things in our hearts just to say you're not good enough to do it and just tease us. That's not how God works. It's like, oh, here's this dream. <laughs> I don't want you to do it. I'm just teasing you. You're not good enough to do it. That'd be ridiculous. I wouldn't want to serve that God. That'd be crazy. We need to deal with we are good enough because God is God and we are royalty because we are adopted into this faith. We're good enough. It might take us a while to get there because practice needs to happen. And then last part of loving the love for ourselves is make decisions on limitations. Zacchaeus made a decision on a limitation. It said he was short, so he climbed a tree. And I think that this goes against every faith aspect I have ever heard. It's like, I cannot accomplish it right now, so I don't need to have faith. I'll do what I can do. That, that is so anti-faith. It's like, God's calling me to do something. Here's my limitations, God, and I'm going to operate in that. God's like, what? That is dumb. The, every, every faith moment in the Bible, every faith thing that happened, every outlandish, crazy thing that ever happened was because someone decided to start with their limitations, staring them in the face. And God just said, start first. I'm going to show up and deal with the limitation so that you know I am God. Our limitations are nothing to God. 
Don't allow your limitation to hold you back. Don't allow your limitation to cause you to make decisions on what God is calling you to do. Don't, don't allow limitations. Step out. If God's calling you to do something, do it and he'll figure it out. One of the best things you can do is just start. And if you're limited because you have that limitation, bring someone else in who works in that area. That's, that's the key. That's the goal. Every single, every single faith story in the Bible, there's a limitation. Someone starts it, and eventually God shows up through a person, through a donkey, through something, and it, it happens. Never make a decision because you feel you're limited. Don't do that. Um, I, I don't know if, if you've ever heard the story of this denomination's start. Foursquare Church. Um, there's this one moment where the founder, Amy Simple McPherson, God told her to plant a church in L.A. during the Depression. Okay? That's, there, it's limited a little bit there, right? Not a lot of finances, not a lot of things happening. So she shows up. She raises enough money to not build the church, but instead, she raised enough, and she goes, I'm going to start with the money that I got. She raised enough money to dig a pit in L.A. for the foundation of the church. And so most people say, oh, I need to raise enough money so that we can actually build the church. But she's like, no, I'm not going to operate on my limitations. So they dug a pit, and that's where they started. Stuff started happening. Stuff started coming in. She organized all the different movements happening in L.A., giving people food, all of that. And the church slowly got built. It's these moments where we can't operate on our limitations. We have to operate on what God's calling us to do, and he'll reveal the next steps. That's what it is. If we could deal with what people think about us, deal with not being good enough and not deal with our limitations, our love for ourselves will increase, which means we're able to love God fully and not walk out of fear and not not be limited in her life. Number three, the love for others. Jumping back to Luke 19, everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumbled. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating... I pay four times the damages. Zacchaeus had a response that is, is interesting. And I don't want to look at the actual action items that he did. That's, that's not what we're looking at here. We're looking at his heart. A, not offended, but compelled. Our love for others needs to come out of not being offended, but being compelled there, there's this moment where Jesus has these things and he hears all these others and, and all of a sudden he's like, he sees what people are doing. I don't know if someone's phone came silenced. Oh, okay. <laughs> all of a sudden he's looking at these, these people and they're grumbling and they're talking. The entire crowd is talking about him, right? And Zacchaeus had an option. He could have just walked away and been like, oh, I know. That's what I think about myself too. I'm sorry. But instead, he's like, you know what? I want to help people instead. 
one of the greatest things we could do in loving people is not be offended by what they say, but be compelled to help. There was this years and years ago, I was, I had gotten super offended. I don't even remember what it was now, but I just remember being offended by, by someone, um, I was like working on some side project and, and there's someone there and, and I was just completely offended. And I was like at the point, I just want to quit. Like I am done with it. This person, I am, I'm over it. And I just happened to talk to my mentor about it. And I was like, ah, this person, like blah, blah, blah. And the mentor started laughing. I was like, do you know this person? Do you like them more than me? What's going on here? And they said, you, you realize that person doesn't even know Jesus. And what's really happening here is the enemy sees that you're about to win them over to the kingdom of God, and the devil is trying to get you to have a division, so you back off. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. That makes so much more sense. So my mentor really put these things in alignment with my mind of understanding Sometimes it's not the person. It's the enemy trying to prevent you from bringing that person to the kingdom of God. And you can't look at like, oh, it's that person, it's that person. No, you have to shift your gaze onto what's really happening. The enemy is trying to separate you two. That's what's going on here. I'm not offended by the person. I am compelled by the love of Christ to see salvation in their life. And if they are saved, I'm going to slap them. Just kidding. <laughs> if they are saved, I'm going to be compelled by the love of Christ to see restoration in their lives and on our relationship. Right? Don't, don't have an argument or a disagreement that just festers forever. Just deal with it. B. Under the love for others, build bridges purposefully. Build bridges purposely. Zacchaeus, what, what gifting, what, did, what was he good at? He was really good at getting money from people, right? That was his gifting. He was good at making money. That, that's it. And so he took that and said, I'm good at making money, and now I'm going to take what I've made, and I'm going to help others. I'm going to take what I'm good at and use what I'm good at to help people what they're not good at. And I think that's it. That's the template for how we love others. We need to find what we're good at and help people that are not good at that. That's really it. That's how we show our love to people. That is our purpose. That is our understanding. I, li- I like to... I, originally put, build, build bridges purposely, and this imagery came about. Uh, have you ever seen those, like, massive bridges? I grew up in Portland, Oregon. It's like the city of bridges or something, right? There's bridges everywhere. One person is not out there designing, constructing, smelting steel, and building a bridge. That's not the case of building a bridge, right? How many people are connected to it? I have no clue. I have no idea how many people it takes to actually build a bridge, But I know you have to have one guy that's making rivets. You have to have one guy that makes the machinery. You have to have a whole other guy that actually finds the materials to build the machinery just to build a bridge. You have an architect. You have city planners. You have all these different people, structural engineers. 
You have voters, you have committees, you have all these things. You have a guy on a truck who's digging down to try to find the raw materials to smelt steel. How many thousands of people are involved in one bridge that gets made? A lot. It would, it would be stupid to think one person's doing the whole thing. It's everyone is involved in it. Likewise, the bridge that we're building with the kingdom of God, every single person has a unique, specific place to build that bridge. And if you are absent, the bridge doesn't get built correctly. We are all needed to fit our purpose and our perspective and our, what we're good at. Because we're all needed to build the bridge of, of the kingdom of God. I need you to identify your gifting. Please, if you do not know how to do that, please see Nakia, see myself, see Patty. Go to our website. We have a test on there you could take. That's a great start. Yes, we got the test up. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we, we need to identify what we're good at. Like Zacchaeus, immediately he knew, I'm good at making money. And then he looked at all the people that are angry. I mean, he goes, a lot of them are angry because I took their money. And he's like, I know what I'm good at. I'm good at giving money back too. We need to figure out what we're good at. Please, the kingdom of God, we're building a bridge and you need to be in the right spot. We need you there, okay? C, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. I love it in the verse, it says, Zacchaeus stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically. Master, I give away half my income to the poor. That, that could have been it, period. Like, I'll give half my income to the poor. Let me help out. Let me use my kingdom uh, contribution. But it says, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. There's, there's a little beyond. There's a little extra. There's a little thing that goes past the normal thing, right? It's, it's one thing to just do our skill, our talent, our purpose, and just say, I did it, good job, I got a gold star for the day, I wanted at least to do it 50 times this year, I'm good. But there's a little extra that we can do. It's like going above and beyond. Have you ever gone to, like, I don't mean to offend anyone, I don't, want, I don't know. Have you ever gone to someone's house and, like, they cook the food and it's, it's good, but then you go to someone else's house and it's just like, there's like these decorations out and there's like all these things going on and, and there's like this whole hospitality like notch that they just get and you're like, where are we at? We just got hosted here. Like there's a difference, right? Both are amazing. Both are loving. Both give your full love to the other person. But there's like this extra thing that happens. There's this hospitality moment that happens. And, and I, wanna, I want us to understand that as believers in our faith and believers even in this church, I, I, we need to be hospitality focused. Okay? And I, I wanted to use this other word very specifically. I need you to hear it and, you, and understand it. There's a difference between hostile and hospitality. Hostile, there's still love behind it, but let me, let me explain this more. Hostile, one of the definitions was keep at a distance. Not that you're hurting someone. It's just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm having you stay a little, I, just a little distance away from me. I love you. I care for you. I'll bring you a Starbucks, but just 
I, maybe I'm not comfortable with you being in my home. Right? But then hospitality, it's saying, I, I want to take care of you. I want to share my life. What do you need help with? Here, here's who I am. There's a difference between the two. Hostile versus hospitality. And I think most churches are really good at the, the hostile side. And people feel it. It's like, oh, welcome. I love you. It's good to see you today. Um, you can sit over there. All right, we're going to start soon. Oh, oh okay. Thanks. And they just sit down. That, there's, there's, a, there's a hostility there, not hospitality. People feel that, right? We need to be a hospitality church, not a hostility church. When was, I, I just, don't, please don't raise your hand. When was, when was the last time that if we saw a visitor come in and you said, hey, I don't know if you're free after church today, but I'm down, there's a coffee shop right up the street. Would you want to just go grab coffee for like 10 minutes? Like, I would love to just know, you know, meet you. You don't have to invite them in your home. If, if that's fine, okay? Zacchaeus got called out by Jesus for that. But there's this moment of hospitality saying, I know we just had church together, but I know we just had this, but it's this, it's this extra oomph that happens. This hospitality. Uh, one of my, my favorite things on this planet to do, and it's my, it's my skill, it's, I love this, is, is board games. Like that's, I love board games. And even like the nerdy, nerdy board games, okay? Not just like the Monopoly and like the Unos, but like the, like, like you're opening it up and if it's under 400 pieces, you know, that's good for someone else. But I want, I want the like, the nerd stuff going on, okay? I want the ones where it has a full campaign book. You open it up, you play one, and it's like, we'll see you in a week because next session happens. You know, it's going to last maybe like 100 hours. <laughs> You're laughing. Okay, come on. It's, it's what I like. It's what I'm good at. So I love this kind of stuff. I can't tell you how many people I've invited from my work, from just meeting, to play board games with. I, I have no count of that. It's got to be in the hundreds. Just saying, hey, after work, I just walk into work. My, my desk has, you can ask Emily, Emily, we work together. I have board games on my desk. It's a nerdy desk. I have Darth Vader decorating a Christmas tree. It's a very nerdy desk. But how many people after work, someone's like, oh, what are you doing tonight? You want to play a board game? And all of a sudden, like, the Skype stuff happens, and we're, we're hanging out. That's what I'm good at. That's, that's the hospitality moments. See, the, the hostility moments are, good to see you. Oh, how was your weekend? Great, I'll see you later. And repeat indefinitely till someone changes their job. Right? The hospitality is the, let's hang, let's hang out. What are you doing to bring hospitality like Zacchaeus had to someone else? What are you doing? It can't, it can't ride all on my shoulders of this church. I can't be the only one doing this. We all need to take up the reins of hospitality and say, I want to see the salvation and Jesus come into this person's life in the form of love. And here's what I'm good at. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying you need to be the other board game person, okay? What are you good at? Do that. Okay? 
Pat, maybe you're the other board game person, okay? <laughs> That's fine. But we, we, need, we need to step it up. We really need to step it up as a church. We need people of Ventura County to know that our church loves them because we found our purpose and we know Jesus and we're bringing it to them. We really need to go the extra mile. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. Lord, you came in the form of love to Zacchaeus, this man who he was, he was hurting in his life. I really believe that a lot of people thought he had it all together and he was doing really well and he was well off and he had an amazing life and people were envious, but inside he was broken and he was hurting and he just wanted you. Lord, as we end 2019, the last sermon of 2019 today, I pray that we would be charged with seeking after Jesus and finding this ultimate love. And as we find this love, we want to share this love with others. We want to share it not just saying hi, but going the extra mile, being, having the hospitality mindset. Lord, we love you. We worship you. Thank you for sending your son to come to this earth and to die on the cross and raise, be raised again just for us. Lord, I pray for every single person to feel the love of Christ this week. In your name. Well, keep your eyes closed just for a moment more. I'm going to ask you to write something on your connection card in a moment. Um, and if you don't have a connection card, um, just with your eyes closed, raise your hand and David's going to put one in your hand. Here's my challenge to you. On your connection card, Think it through first. Don't just make a snap decision and, and make, this is not a New Year's resolution by any means. This is a spiritual resolution. In just a moment, I want you to pray and think through who, who, who is the person or the people group that you are going to have hospitality with? I want you to write down a name in a moment. I want you to put a group in a moment. I, I want you to genuinely think this out and put it down right on your connection card. But in order to do that, you really do need to know your purpose. You really do need to know how you're going to do it. If you don't know that yet, that's fine. You got a whole year. Time starts ticking even on Wednesday. You got plus one and it's a leap year. You got extra, extra time this year. You need to identify what you're going to be good at. But what the key is, is committing to saying, I am going to reach this person with the love of Jesus. Be thinking through who that person is.
This is the person you're going to love on. This is hospitality with. This is a person I, I dare you, I challenge you. Bring him to the church sometime too. So we can see him and we can be praying that the relationship grows. Be thinking through who it is. Lord, we pray for a special anointing, a special blessing of understanding and wisdom of how to reach that person with hospitality. I pray for salvation and renewed faith in those people that are written down. In your mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for checking out Lighthouse 805 Church's podcast, and we hope you check it out next week.